5: Now, at your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden
6: Hotline with Mike Miller on the Voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes, folks, welcome. Thanks for stopping by. We'll be taking the good gardening stroll shortly, but right now, if you have any questions, concerns, or comments about your landscape, your houseplants, or whatever, or those uh, spring flowering bulbs, what should you be doing with those right now? 314 314- 436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Mr. Kelly. Yo. You said you got a lot of birds?
7: Boy, we had a great week for birds cuz really? last week a week ago today we had hummingbirds. They had just shown up.
6: Right, you said there was two I think.
7: Yeah, and then Saturday we had orioles show up. Now, Whoa. we've only had orioles for a couple of years and we've only had a couple like two or three. We've got about eight, maybe 10. Oh, you're kidding. Oh, they're beautiful. Yeah. And they're so bright orange. One of them's kind of a yellow color. Ooh. So, and then on... So that was Saturday. Sunday, the Grosbeaks showed up.
6: Oh, my goodness. And
7: we've got probably six or eight of them.
6: Wow. So,
7: yeah, it was like all of a sudden, boom, now we've got all these gorgeous birds along with the, you know, the cardinals and the other ones. And the finches. And I, I don't, you know, if they're listening, I love you guys, too. But it's really cool to get the hummingbirds and, you know, the Orioles and the Grosbeaks probably won't be around very long. right? But uh just Beautiful. And we just stand there at the kitchen window and just watch them. They're so pretty, yeah. Sounds perfect. And the Orioles are just eating the hummingbird food out of of the same. Yeah, we don't even, we did put out an an Oriole feeder, put a couple oranges on it, but they like the hummingbird food just fine.
6: Wow, I didn't know that. Yeah. They don't look hummingbird-like.
7: No, they do at all, but they do. (laughs) They stand there. We've got this one, we call it the smile. It's just a, a curved glass tube and it'll spin while they're on it, so it's kind of funny to watch them hold on, and then one <laughs> will jump off, another will get on, and it'll go the other way. <laughs> so it's very entertaining. Oh, great. Now, do you have any birds at your place?
6: Uh, yeah, we've got uh, basically red finches, lots mm-hmm. of morning doves, yeah. and then the grackles and some starlings and things like that. I throw right. the you know the finch food out on the sidewalk, so yeah. it's amazing how many of them come. Yeah. And then of course there's always one or two of those squirrels that's got a. Come down and help itself.
7: We've got a gray squirrel that has a red tail or, or a brown, light brown tail kind of. Mm. I don't know what his deal is, but he's unique too.
6: <laughs> <laughs> Sounds great. It's Thanks, fun. Brian. It is Saturday morning, folks, and we can have a roundtable discussion about what's impacting your landscape. And uh, how about those houseplants? Have you moved them out yet? Well, I've got mine outside, so, but I made sure that, while well, I have kaffir lilies or clivias. And they can't take the direct sun regardless, but I made sure that they didn't even get any kind of sun this early in the season. And uh, what I hope, uh, you know, as we discuss your situation, my ideas, concerns, and thoughts hopefully will help you orchestrate and solidify your options. Of course, with the final judgment going to be on your shoulders. And by the way, this is your show, and I certainly appreciate you inviting me into your home, car, wherever you happen to be listening. Another extremely important player is Ashlyn. She is producing, she answers the phone, she's pushing all the buttons and everything else. So, oh, and by the way, I'm Mike Miller. I've been hosting the Garden Hotline since 1994. I can come to your home and do a landscape consultation if you'd like. And I take a look around, I call it a walk and talk, and answer questions that you may have, make comments on things that may be impacting your plant material. So you can go to my website, mikemillerdesigns.com, email address and phone numbers there where I can be reached. Today after the show I'm headed to Ferguson. So well let's get moving. Today's stroll is brought to you by Saint Louis Composting, 861-3344. The rain began to lighten as I pulled up and parked at 10th and Chestnut. An etched stone notes that this is a city garden and it was established in 2009. This, on this side of the city garden, this where the birch tree forest is. And it's edged by oak trees along the sidewalk. And uh, remnants of spring flowering bulbs. The foliage was still there. And uh, they don't get, you know, in a situation like this, they don't bother cutting off the spent flowers or anything else. They were crocus and daffodil foliage. And uh, passing the baton to the coral bells, which were, wow, they were really striking. And as I walked up the walkway through the trees, and that was birch trees, the helleborus adds a nice textural touch. They're finished flowering now, but uh, their evergreen quality in the wintertime really is striking. Now they kind of not necessarily fade into the background, but they uh, you know, really look good, striking-wise and everything else. And there's a statue on the way up the walkway, and it kind of reminded me of Abe Lincoln because it had a big, tall, you know, top hat-type thing and uh, standing with his arms open. And further along towards the top, a horse with a geometric rider on its back. And the dogwood shrubs were lining the pathway leading to the steps to the bottom where across the sidewalk there is the serviceberry trees. And uh, buffering the si- they were buffering the uh, concrete wall there. Birds were out singing. It was early morning. The rain had started to slow down. And as I looked down Chestnut, you could see a section of the arch contrasting with the northward-bound cloud cover. And heading towards a car, I was looking at all the reflections of all the buildings and everything else uh, in the puddles on the ground. So it was really kind of a fun time. So if you do have any questions or concerns, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Let's go to Teresa and get her. Hi, Teresa.
4: I received a container of 12 daffodils for Easter. Can I save the bulbs to plant this fall?
6: Uh, yes. Basically, if you've got them in the container, just make sure that you let them grow let them, until the foliage starts turning brown. Then you can cut the foliage off, pull them out of the container, shake all the potting mix off of them, and put them in a paper bag until next fall.
4: Well, thank you very much. Yeah. Have a great life,
6: Mike. Yeah. Well, thank you. Bye-bye. And also, if you really want to, you can go ahead and plant them now. You know? Oh, okay. So if you Sounds got a spot good. that's thank well- you very much. yeah, if you got a spot that's well drained, then it would work out perfectly because that's what the daffodils really need is a well drained location, or else they're going to rot.
4: Okay, thank you, sir. Okay. Bye bye.
8: And let's go now to Francie. Hi, Francie. Hi, Mike. Uh, I'm calling because I have a giant tulip tree in my backyard, and something is...
2: Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced.
3: Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. (laughs) Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes, without missing a minute of the game.
1: You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
8: It's the bark off of quite a few of the branches all over the tree. And the branches are, uh, eventually they end up, dying and falling to the ground and i'm not sure what it is somebody said they thought it was squirrels but i'm just concerned that if this keeps happening i might lose my tree it may be squirrels
6: i mean but that's usually not something they're going to do because they're they're i don't want to say too lazy but they don't bother doing that i know they have to make their nests and things like that if this is an older mature tree to me this may be just a maturing aspect of the bark just exfoliating off the branches.
8: Hmm. I mean, how would you know? It's, uh, I mean, some of the bark just is hanging. Right. And. um, Well, what you need to do is have a professional
6: tree service come out and take a look. Okay. I mean, that's the best thing you can possibly do. Like Timberline Tree Service. I mean, they're going to come out. They're going to tell you. I mean. It could be, you know, age-wise, it could be some kind of, you know, squirrels. But, I, you know, I live in a neighborhood right across the street from a park with lots of big trees and stuff, and I don't see squirrels ever, you know, pulling bark off anything.
8: Okay. So uh, is there a chance it could be some kind of a, a bug that would be doing that?
6: No, not if, the, you know, if you're losing a large amount of bark. If this, you know, the tulip trees are not really known for an insect situation, where uh, you know okay. ash trees and emerald ash borers and things like that can cause damage, not bark damage necessarily. But, uh, again, I'm guessing, but I'm saying or thinking it might be just an aging process.
8: Okay. All right. I appreciate that. Sure. But go ahead Thank and give the
6: tree much. service a call.
8: Okay. All right.
6: Thank you. Sure. Mike Miller, KMWOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. This spring has been nothing but spectacular. We go through so many years where we don't have a chance to see the azaleas, rhododendrons, in bloom. But, I mean, they are all over the place, along with all the trees that are flowering. It's just uh, been an unbelievable spring, as I said before. Let's head over to George's yard and see what's going on there. Hi, George.
9: Morning, Mike. Hey, I got a question for you. I bought some uh, potting mix up at uh, St. Louis Compost. Uh Uh-huh. It's the uh, one that the garden backs, botanical garden. Right. Are you familiar with that one? Yeah. Okay. Because lady said Mike Miller backs it. I said, well, <laughs> if he backs it, I, if he backs it, give me about seven bags. So anyway, <laughs>
10: <laughs> no,
9: no, no. The reason. Um, now, does that need to be mixed with anything else? Because you know what, it looks like it's got. Uh, I don't know if it's tree. I don't know if it's bark or, or you know something like that. It looks like that though. You yeah. know what I mean?
6: It probably could be. I mean, it's a you know a mixture of various things. But, no, uh-huh. you don't need to mix it with anything else okay. unless you choose okay. to. It's up to you. Yeah. But for the most okay. part, it's fine just you know by itself.
9: Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, when she said Mike Miller back, so I figured, hey, give, bring it on. So, anyway.
6: <laughs> <laughs> I'm <laughs> not worthy.
9: <laughs> yeah, you are baloney. Anyway, have a good day, Mike.
6: Great. Thanks, George. And now let's go to Letty's. Hi, Letty.
11: Hello. Hi. Uh Mike, could you please tell me,
12: do you cut or break off the tops of the daffodils and the tulips after they bloom when they get that hard top on top of the daffodil?
6: Yeah, basically what you want to do is cut off the spent flowers. You can leave the stem if you want, you don't have to, the stem that held the flower. But yeah, get rid of that because it's just an aesthetic thing more so than anything else. It really doesn't make that much difference. As I said, oh, it does it.
13: Okay. Yeah, I was okay. taking
6: my walk. I mean, the the city parks and places like that, they don't cut off spent flowers. You know, so well, anyway, it's just... I
11: thought it might have went back into the bulb if you took it off the top.
6: No, not at all. It,
12: okay. You, you, leave oh. all
6: the, you leave all the leaves, all the foliage right. until they turn brown, but that right. stem doesn't do anything.
13: Okay. Well, that's what I wanted to know. Okay. Thank you. Sure. Great. Okay.
6: And if you have questions or concerns, we've got phone lines open, 314 436 7900 or 1 800 This is a time of year where you want maybe want to head to St. Louis composting because your perennials, as they're erupting, and probably a lot of them are, you know, really kind of pronounced as far as their growth because this, even though it's been a cool spring and everything else, the growth on a lot of the plant material has been nothing but phenomenal. But this is you want to do some dry, you know, some. Let's say com- not composting. You want to do some mulching around your perennials. And the, what you can do is just tell the people at uh, St. Louis Composting what kind of perennials you have, and they'll recommend which is the best mulch for you. So you don't, you don't want to do it too deep. You don't want to bury the plant material at all. And uh, about you know one to two inches should be adequate. And what that's doing for your plant material, it's as our weather's going to be you know changing. I'm assuming towards summertime. It helps conserve moisture. And then the compost, as it's, you know, or the mulch as it's breaking down, just improves your soil and, you know, is to the advantage of plant material. Also, with your spring flowering bulbs, you can do one last fertilizing with them. Even though they're finished flowering, the foliage is still nice and dark and green. So you can fertilize those for the last, you know, for the last time. And if you're using a granular type fertilizer, keep it off the foliage as much as you possibly can. And if you do get some on the foliage, just go ahead and water. The granular stuff should be watered anyway. So I use a lot of the you know powdered stuff that I mix in buckets of water, or you know liquid fertilizers and things like that because you have to water it in anyway. So what difference does it possibly make? If your mums are up and growing, go ahead and you know pinch them back so you can keep the growth more compact and keep them nice and bushier and everything else. And this is a time of year, too, which I've already started to do, when you can plant your spring or your summer bulbs like gladiolus, cladiums, dahlias, cannas, and elephant ears. I've already planted some uh, cannas and elephant ears. And I'm going to do some more today if it's not raining too hard. But anyway, so those are the things that you could be doing right now or thinking about. Let's head over to Elizabeth's yard. Hi, Elizabeth. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. I have a
13: couple problems. Last year, in my vegetable garden, I had problems with these little bugs. They look like ladybugs, but they're more orange than red, and they just ate up everything. And I also have a problem with, I think it's a fungus on my rose bushes. Uh, Last year, after they bloomed, all of the leaves started falling off and i was worried that they weren't going to come back this year but they leafed out very well so far this spring but i'm seeing the little spots on the leaves again
6: basically what you need to do in the future in the future now you know there you know you've had this problem with your roses two years in a row so next mm-hmm. year just as the foliage starts emerging you should apply a fungicide and depending upon which fungicide you use, read the label, and they will tell you how many times that you need to apply it. But usually, with the roses, you need to do multiple applications with the fungicides for the okay. situ- for the situation that you're describing. And as far as the insects go, just keep an eye out for them. And since you're, you know, it's an edible plant material and you know circumstance, you you can use a, an insecticidal soap. Or something along that line, something that's organically safe, and it's just spray it directly onto the bugs because you can't really anticipate where they're coming from. So there's nothing you can do ahead of time, and you certainly don't want to use an, a systemic type insecticide on them because that puts a chemical inside your you know your edible stuff. So it's basically right. going after them, you know, and spraying it directly onto them.
13: Oh, there are so many
6: of <laughs> Well, I mean, they would just drill into the tomato, and right. the tomato would just shrink, right? You know. So well, Matt, what you could do, I know you like to grow your, you know, your food and everything else. You might skip one year, and that may send them to someplace else, and then next year go ahead and replant. If you don't, you it's going to be a battle. There's no getting around it. Those are probably cucumber beetles, is what they are. I don't know, but they ate a lot. Right. I mean, they're ferocious. And, uh, you know, why you have them in your yard and, uh, you know, it's just a circumstance. I don't know where they came from. But once, you know, let's say a nasty insect gets established, their tendency is kind of to stay in that area if they found a good, you know, a good place to eat. So it's like going back to the same restaurant. They know that they don't have to go very far. Oh, uh,
13: that makes sense. Okay.
6: All right, maybe I will skip this year. Yeah, and just, uh, I mean, you can get a lot of, you know, homegrown tomatoes at various stands and things like that and just see what happens with them Okay. as far as next year goes. All right, thanks, Thanks Elizabeth. Mike Miller, KMOS Garden Hotline. If you have questions or concerns, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Yes, folks. Phone lines are open. Three one four.
1: T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network, from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to twenty percent versus AT and T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today.
0: You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. And Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Trick responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois.
6: 436 or 1-800-925-1120. As I was saying before, leave the foliage on your spring flowering bulbs because if you cut them off prematurely because you think, Well, I'm just, you know, I want to get it over with, blah, 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 blah. You could really impact the bulb for the next year as far as being able to do anything more than maybe doing a little bit of foliage. So keep that in mind. Also, this is a time of year where the garden centers are just, you know, robust with all kinds of different annuals. I've already started to plant some of mine as far as annual-wise. So you can certainly head out and get your Your annuals and start planting them. You don't necessarily have to plant them all at once or anything else. You can kind of just sequence it. And if you got uh, other things that are going on, let's say you in the past you've and you have done this, you've put a landscape fabric down, and that's you know that's not the black plastic. I don't recommend putting black plastic over plant material at all. You can put the black plastic underneath rock mulch where you're not growing anything. That's nothing wrong with that. But underneath you know, or near plant material, you want to make sure that you get the landscape fabric. And then if you do put mulch on it, that's great. That's fine. But what that does, that landscape fabric really prevents any kind of weed seeds from coming up from the bottom. So either perennial weeds or annual weed seeds that were there, so they're being suffocated. But other seeds can blow in on top and then actually start germinating and grow down through the mulch. And go through the landscape fabric. So just because you have landscape fabric doesn't necessarily mean that you're not going to have any kind of weed circumstance. Like in particular, this time of year, you can see the warm season weeds, the annual weeds, which were they germinated basically when the yellow forsythia was in bloom. The spurges, the ragweed, the purslane, the knotweed, the lamb's quarter, the crabgrass, barnyard grass, goosegrass. And foxtail, even some violets and things like that. So those are things that can actually the seeds can be blown in or brought in from something else, like on the bottom of your shoes where you're walking around in an area in your lawn that's, you know, got the weed problem. And you step on where your mulch is, you know, to go in and look at the perennials or whatever it is, you could bring some weed seeds in that way. This is just strictly the annual, you know, spring basically warm season weeds. The cool season weeds are really starting to diminish somewhat. They're still they still look robust because we've had some pretty cool weather. But the annual bluegrass, the chickweed, and things like that, you're going to notice that they're starting to diminish and turn yellow and maybe start to go away. And you think, oh, thank goodness! But what they're doing the whole time they've been growing, they since last August they've been dropping seeds. So they're going to be all ready to go next August. So that's when, if you want to use a pre-emergent to get rid of the cool season weeds, again, that's separate from the warm season annual weeds, two different series of weed circumstances. Then what you need to do is get the pre-emergent down mid to late August to stop the germination. It kills them as they germinate. Other things that you need to be doing in your lawn, my lawn, my zoysia, I've cut it down twice and, uh, Basically, it's really starting to look. I have zoysia, as I said, and it's really starting to look pretty green, and that you know that's nice. And probably I won't get a chance to do it this week, but uh, in the near future, I'm going to do my first fertilization of my zoysia. And I just use Liquifede, to be honest with you, Miracle Grow Liquifede, and um, I just you know spray it. It's easy. I don't have to fool with it. And uh, I've had soil tests, and it does adequate. I don't do a soil test every year. I do a soil test every couple years just to see if there's been any kind of major change. But I know what I'm putting down. And with their cool season lawns, cool season lawns still look very robust. So if you're going to mow them, you want to, you know, set your mower blades at about three and a half to four inches and mow them about once, you know, depending upon how fast they're growing and everything else, about once a week because they're going to be pretty you know pretty uh, fast growing. And definitely don't mow your cool season lawn too short because that exposes the crown and that can cause some real problems with you know the, as the sun intensity and just the brightness of the sun can do some damage to your lawn. And start watching out for sod webworms and, th- and insects in and that kind of situation too. Uh, if you've got blueberries, this is a good time of year to start putting some, uh, let's say, acidic-type fertilizers down on your blueberries. And for a lot of the different things, also start watching uh, for your—if you do have fruit trees, you're going to have to—you've already finished flowering. They're going to start setting fruit. So as soon as they start setting fruit, like on peach trees, you want to take about half the fruit off so it doesn't do any damage to as the fruit matures due to the weight of the factor in that kind of situation. You can do all kinds of other stuff in your yard and your landscape. Again, as I'm going to repeat, your if getting your house plants outside is great, but don't set them in the direct sun because that can be trouble. Just you're going to get them sunburnt, and that could really be really a, a severe circumstance. If you live in an area where deer are a problem and, uh, Woody plant material that deer kind of like find least appealing. Let's look at some of the tr- you know, some of the woodies. Ginkgo trees, they don't necessarily like. They don't like, like oak leaf hydrangea, gold thread branch cypress, hawthorn trees, American holly, junipers, paper bark birches, rosa sheeran, blue spruce, hypericum, witch hazel. Those are the ones that they really kind of stay away from. Even with the bulbs. There are certainly bulbs that they don't necessarily like more so than others. And chorus a surprise lily, the Alliums, the Crocus, the Glory of Snow, which are blooming right now, the Snow Drops, the Hyacinths, the Grape Hyacinths, those are different you know, bulbs that have bloomed fr- Fritillaria, Daffodils. They don't really like those that foliage. Now, if it's a severe winter, yes, they're going to go after them. There's no getting around it. But normally, when... As we have a normal year like this year, they're going to kind of stay away from the ones that they you know, they really don't care for. Let's head over to Karen's yard. Hi, Karen.
13: Good morning. Hi. I, I have a path uh, going up my front yard with steps on it, white stone steps on either side. For many years, maybe 20 plus, I've had ivy growing up. And it, it has always been wonderful and very maintenance-free, a, a, a little weed now and then. But the last four years, it's been awful, Um, grasses and weeds, and and I've uh, even gotten help with the weeding. I'm wondering if, uh, you know, what I need to help the grasses and the weed. I've tried the preen and mulch. It hasn't helped this year at all. It's now looking okay because the weeds are gone, but what can I do to prevent it from getting bad again?
6: Yeah, basically what you need to do is probably your ivy has gotten a little thin. It has. And that's just an aging factor. There's no getting around it. So that's what people think or they don't think that, you know, consequently this really looks good. But routinely every, you know, four or five years, everyone who has any kind of the ivy ground cover type things – you should be adding new plants. Okay. And because once it starts elongating and what, when the stem elongates, there's really only going to be foliage at the end, and there's going to be a long stem that has no foliage on it, and that offers the opportunity for, your, you know, for the weeds and the invasiveness of other plant material to get in there. So that's where the trouble comes in.
13: Sure. And years ago when it was so beautiful you're right it was almost uh, there was almost nowhere to go there was so much ivy
6: right exactly so so,
13: so i need to get a flat or something and right. just start filling in where all the uh, where it's gotten bare cuz i almost resorted to getting small those very tiny boxwood and uh well i was getting exasperated and i was going to just get rid of all the ivy and put box about four boxwood on either side but um I just don't think that would have the as aesthetically pleasing a look as
6: the ivy. Right. I mean, boxwood are individual lumps, and the ivy is like a carpet. So it's like in your house, you know, certain areas look nice because there's carpet. Other areas, you know, you can have a piece of furniture there, and the boxwood is the equivalent of furniture. And so to just have furniture, eh, you know.
13: Yeah. Oh, that's a great analogy. Thank you so much. I'll just get more
6: ivy. Sure. My pleasure. Bye. Bye. And 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120, back after these messages. Yes, folks, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. 1120 got questions, concerns, or comments about your plant material. And let's head over to Bill's yard. Hi, Bill.
3: Uh, good morning, uh, Mike. Thank you for taking my call. Sure. Uh, my question is about a jugger. A jugger? Uh-huh. Uh, about 20 years ago, uh, we had uh, a nursery plant, an area of about 20 foot by 10 of Ajuga, and it's filled in very nicely. And every spring we get, uh, it, it looks very healthy, and we get the sprouts, the purple sprouts that come up and so on. Yeah, this year, for some reason, about 80% of it looks like it's dead. It just uh, is not uh, coming out, at least not not so far, but about 20% of it dead around the edges where the lawn is, and we got uh, it looked pretty normal. I'm wondering if, if something's causing this uh, uh, that I could prevent happening in the future, and I'm guessing I'm probably going to have to replace a lot of this.
6: Right. You're probably going to have to replace it for sure. And now, I has anything changed in your landscape as far as moisture getting into that area?
3: It's on a berm. It's, uh, for the most part, uh, so I don't, you know, even though we've had a lot of rain, uh, the berms only maybe a you know ten or twelve inches high right. overall, uh, but uh, I can't figure it out. I don't know why all of a sudden this would have happened. But uh, yeah, I thought maybe maybe the lawn people might have sprayed something, but the edges uh, all look pretty good. So anything coming from the lawn probably would have affected the, uh, the you know the edging area, and it's more into the middle of it.
6: Absolutely. So, so probably what it is, is again just like when I was talking to a lady about the ivy around her stairway it's just the the ajuga those particular plants in that particular area what it does it's a migration type of you know plant so in other words it's a ground cover so it migrates so the ones on the perimeter that still look good are the youngest the ones towards the center of the colony are the oldest and they're just old and they just basically have exhausted their life so they're just going to have to be replaced now i would certainly work some you know some you know, organic materials into the area before you replant, but that's the best thing you can possibly do. I wouldn't, oh. you know, as I said, I ask you if there had been a change as far as moisture-wise and everything else. If it's on a berm, the rain hasn't been that exaggerated as far as causing, you know, the rotting. So uh, what it is is just an age factor.
3: Wow. Okay. Well, that's good to know that because... You know, first I'm suspecting everything, you know, poison or something like that. <laughs> I don't know how it could have gotten in there. I just want to avoid it. So right. no, I'm fine with that. That sounds like a good explanation
14: to me.
6: Right.
3: Uh, uh, now that I understand it, I'll be able to sleep with it. <laughs>
6: <laughs> but, again, improve the soil before you, put. you know, get another couple flats of ajuga and replant them. And just, I mean, they're, they're really kind of a spectacular type of ground cover with the flowering and everything else and the foliage. So uh, enjoy it.
3: Yeah, last year was the the best of all seasons. I mean, it, it it was so flowing. I've never seen it so good. Uh, so it was just a uh, you know complete uh, difference this year. So the organic stuff are you just are you talking more compost? Yeah,
6: mixing compost in with the soil, you know, probably just an inch or so. Since they've had great success all these years, just to kind of revive the you know the the soil that's there and uh, give the new plant material which has been nursed at a nursery. you know, a better uh, environment to be able to take off.
3: Very good. Well, I appreciate the information very much, Mike. I really enjoy your show.
6: Well, thanks for having me on your show. I greatly appreciate it. Okay. Thanks, Bill. And now let's go to John's yard. Hi, John. Yeah, hi, Mac. Hi. Uh, We get it.
1: Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.
15: I have a uh, Japanese maple, uh, and it's got a, uh, you know, the base of it is probably around five inches round, And it's only about five or six feet tall. But last year, it bloomed really well. I mean, we had a lot of leaves on it and stuff. This year, so far, we don't have anything. So I'm thinking that it's dead. Um, If it is dead, can I, you know, dig that thing up and put another one and it's in the same place? You know, would that be a problem?
6: Yeah, I'm assuming this is one of the ones that looks like an umbrella. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. So the Acer Palmatum dissectum. Basically, what you can do is, you know, there could be, you know, a circumstance where if you're not getting any kind of, you know, bud breaking as far as the foliage goes, most of them throughout the, you know, metropolitan area have leafed out. But what you can do is just go out there, check the flexibility of all this, of the some of the stems. Mm-hmm. And then also you can cut some of the you know, cut a few of the you know, twigs off and see if the, you know, the inside of the twig is, you know, still white. If it is, it's still viable and it may be just, you know, erupting as far as the growth goes, you know, a little bit late for whatever reason. But for the whole thing not to be pushing out any kind of growth at all after being totally robust in last year, that I mean, I can't see it just dying over the wintertime because if it was a severe winter, maybe so. But for the most part, we didn't have really a severe winter. And so consequently, I think it may be just late erupting. But if it doesn't, you know, push out any kind of new growth by the end of May, then, yeah, it's, you know. All right. Well, thank you very
15: much. Oh, and uh, I have a lot of juncles, and I've got marigolds planted around them. Um, Would it be okay just to let, you know, after they, they bloom, just to let the stems die out naturally, or do you have to cut them off?
6: No, you don't have to. People just do it mainly for an aesthetic circumstance.
15: Oh, okay. All right. Because I know the, the, the uh, marigolds will overgrow them.
6: Right. Yeah. yeah. The, the okay. jonquils, daffodils, they don't care. I mean, it doesn't really matter to them. It's just, again, okay. people really don't like to see brown foliage or whatever. So once it starts turning brown, as long as it doesn't interrupt you know, anything with your marigolds, then you should be fine. Oh, Okay. All right. Well, thank you very much. Sure. My pleasure. And that's probably going to be about the last call we're going to be able to take for this hour. But if you do have any questions or concerns, you can get lined up, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. The pansies are really looking great, fantastic. The Garden Center still have a lot of pansies for sale. So if you want to have some of the pansy look, we've probably still got about, uh, oh, maybe a month or so while the pansies will look good. What happens? They're a cool season annual, so once the weather starts heating up, then consequently it could, you know, the f- flower size will start reducing, and they'll just kind of oh get exhausted by that. Or if you just want to skip the pansies, the cool season, you didn't get them early enough, and uh, to enjoy them, you like I said before, you can head out to the garden centers, and they've got all kinds of annuals there. Of, of different sizes in flats or 4-inch pots or 6-inch pots or 8-inch pots or whatever it happens to be. And also, if you're going to do any kind of chemical applications, whether it's organic, inorganic, liquid, you know, granular, always read the label and read it before even opening the bag or, you know, b- the bottle or anything else and get a complete understanding of what the dilate, you know, the dilution rate is, the companion mixes, the temperature wise factors, and all those type things because it's really important to do it right. If you don't do it right, you could be doing, you know, creating more problems. This includes insecticides, fungicides, fertilizers, repellents, and everything else. So if you have questions or concerns, you can give us a call after the news. Mike Miller, KM West Garden Hotline. Now, at your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice
13: of St. Louis
6: KMOX. Yes, folks, the garden hotline tip of the trowel. I'll be giving that shortly, but right now you can give a call 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120 with any ideas, questions, concerns, or comments you have about your landscape or your houseplants or whatever it happens to be. And, uh, Mr. Kelly. Yo. So, what do you think about the Blues' chance?
7: It's going to be a great series. It's going to be very difficult. I still think they can, they'll can. they win it, I think. Oh, really? Uh, but two really evenly matched teams. Everybody in the NHL is looking forward to this series. When right? you hear the experts all over the North America talk about it, they're like, these two teams are mirror images of each other. They both can score their defense on either side is not as good as like the Blues used to be. And the goaltending, they probably give Minnesota a little bit of an edge because Ooh. they have two good goaltenders. And ours, you know, Bennington's not been as good as he needs to be. And Huso is not proven. <laughs> uh, but I, I feel pretty, I think the Blues have the depth and the experience to get it done. But it is going to be a lot of fun. Not much sleep, though.
6: So you have tickets?
7: Yes. I'm not sure which games I'm going to because I share with my brother and my nephew and we got to figure out who's going to which games. Right. But all the games so far, except for the Sunday afternoon game, they're at 8.30 because we're in the Western Conference. And so they're going to show an Eastern Conference game at 6. Whoa. Those last about two and a half hours. And so they say 8.30. It's going to be more like 8.45. Right. And so, yeah, so next Saturday at about this time, I'm going to be sleepy, very sleepy, even more than usual. (laughs) Yes. I might just come over here after the game, especially if they have overtime or double overtime or triple overtime. Well, you know, it's hockey. You got to, you got to, you got to spectate through it, man. Right. Exactly. Yeah.
6: I just wanted to get your analysis because I'm ready. You're there.
7: I am excited. Yes.
6: (laughs) Sounds perfect. All right. Yes, folks, thanks for having me on your show. We can discuss plant selection, caring for the ups and downs of annuals, bulbs, edibles, ground covers, houseplants, lawns, roses, perennials, trees, shrubs, vines, or water gardens. And uh, I'll share my thoughts, but please remember my answers, comments, and opinions is not the only garden path to take towards success, but strictly offered for you to consider. Across the big board, that's Ashlyn. Is it Ashlyn? L-Y-N-N? Uh, one in. Oh, just one N. So Ashlyn, and uh, she's producing. She answers the phone, pushes all the buttons and everything else. And uh, during the week, I do landscape consultations, which I call a walk and talk. Today after the show, it looks like uh, it's not going to be rainy. And uh, I was lucky. I always send an email to people saying, I'll be there rain or shine. And a lot of times when it is rainy, it can really answer questions. Uh, different situations and circumstances on why certain things are happening, why certain things are not happening. But today I'm headed up to Ferguson. So that's after the show. Tip of the trial, special recognition for individual group or situation that's made an impression on me is brought to you by St. Louis composting 636-861-3344. Tip of the trial goes out to several different plant societies, the O'Fallon garden club, the O'Fallon Garden Club they meet at the uh, Sunrise United Methodist Church and that's out in O'Fallon Missouri. And uh, also the Webster Groves Garden Club and the Webster Groves Women's Garden Club and the West County Day Lily Club and the Missouri Botanical Garden Day Society. So these are just plant societies, people are getting together and they meet monthly, basically, and it's people who have a real liking and very extremely knowledgeable about particular plant materials, probably a lot of different kinds of plant material, but they chose, and maybe they belong to several different plant societies. But also another one is called the Wild Ones. That's a natural landscapers, and it's established native plant communities around homes, schools, businesses, And uh, that's really kind of a neat thing. They meet the first Monday of each month. And uh, what you can do is you don't know where any of these, you know, locations of these plant societies are. Well, you can go to the Missouri Botanical Garden, Mobot, M-O-B-O-T, dot org. And pretty much all of them are listed there in locations and times and meetings and things like that. So the plant societies are just absolutely fantastic. So, if you're interested in any kind of plant material at all? I probably can say there's going to be a plant society full of people that are very knowledgeable about that particular type of plant material. Well, let's get, take a couple calls before we go to break. Let's go to Steve's yard. Hi, Steve. morning, Mike. Good morning.
14: Uh, I have a question on. Uh, I had some landscaping done uh, last uh, last year, and uh, everything is coming back great except I've got some hibiscus plants that just don't seem to be producing any new growth yet. Yeah. Am I just too early? Yes. <laughs> okay.
6: Yeah, if, I'm assuming you're talking about like Disco Bell, the, the hearty hibiscus outside with the yes. f- huge flowers. Yeah, yeah it's a, a little bit early. I've seen a couple different, uh, you know, as I wander through the neighborhoods, I always look at plant material. That's basically what I'm doing and out having fun, mm-hmm. of course. But I haven't seen any hibiscus pushing out any kind of growth at all yet. No crepe myrtles pushing out any growth as of yet either.
14: Good. Well, that's that's the answer I wanted to hear. So, <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much.
6: Yeah, it's a. Uh, I mean, we all get a little excited, and you know, when we're you know seeing plant material, we're seeing everything else erupting, and something's just sitting there going. Hmm. Wonder what's going on. But it was like right. the gentleman in the last hour is talking about his Japanese maple. It, um, hopefully, his Japanese maple is just a little bit late and later than it should be. But anyway, things happen in nature, and there's no getting around it. So thanks, Steve. Thank you. Yep. And now let's head over to Bob's yard. Hi, Bob. Hi, Mike. How Good. are you? Good. Thanks for having me
14: on your show. If you weren't there, I wouldn't be calling in. <laughs> Um, uh, I've purchased three hanging ferns. Uh, they're in pots and I've got them on the front porch <clears throat> and there's a little tag on them and I didn't buy them from a nursery. So people sell them, didn't know anything about them. They're just ferns and I don't know if they're green. All it says on them, is says shade, keep moist. So my question is, do ferns need to be fertilized and they're 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 on the north. They're not going to be in the sun except maybe one might get a little sun in the evening when it gets way down. But how do I take? And I know I don't know exactly what kind of ferns they are. They're just green and they look like ferns. How do you take care of ferns?
6: Uh, basically, the ferns that they definitely need you know fertilization. I don't know what kind of—you uh, know, the leaf, is it really long and sort of dangling over the sides of the pots?
14: Yes, they kind of burst out, and they're kind of narrow leaves. They're not great big. Right. They're, they're very pretty, very robust.
6: Yeah, I would probably—you know, if I was guessing without seeing them or anything else, it's probably something a Boston fern would be the common name for it. But uh, fertilizing them with an acid-based fertilizer, so like mere acid is really what they need— Fertilizing probably you know once a month, but just make sure that they don't go through any kind of dry spells at all. They don't want to be swamped and wet, but they want to you know the the potting mix they're growing in should just be you know you know damp to the touch. So, but the fertilizing, like I said, about once a month should be adequate.
14: Okay, well, they I think they're already kind of before i got them they must have let them get a little dry because you know how sometimes the potting mix will get a so. crust on the top
6: yeah and shrink and away from it. the size of the pot
14: yeah so yeah. you've got i have to kind of break that up to get it down in but they're look they're looking good so i
6: need an acid based fertilizer right exactly and also i mean sometimes people will keep them they'll have they'll love them because they do so well through the growing season but when the weather gets cool are cold the are these outside or inside?
14: They're outside. They're on a they're on a porch. Okay, and the porch is all covered, so on the north side of the house, so they won't get any sun.
6: That sounds fine, but you know, a lot of people will try to bring them inside. And once you have them outside, and you try to bring them inside, aesthetically, they kind of lose a lot. So that's not to necessarily say don't try it, but just realize that the fronds are going to drop a lot of those little green leaflets. And they're somewhat of a you know a nightmare aesthetically, like I said. But sometimes they're going to do very well inside, and so consequently, you never know. My grandmother had a Boston fern for probably twenty years. Now hers just well, sat out on the front porch, and then you know came inside and was sat in a window, just looked out onto the front porch. But uh, you just don't know what's going to happen with them.
14: Well, that's good to know because we have these because my wife's mother used to raise ferns, and so it's, it's kind of something, you know, sentimental for her. Right. But I'll tell her, you said, don't bring them inside. It's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> and she's not listening, so she <laughs> won't know.
6: Great. Well, thanks. Yeah, thank you. Yep. Mike Miller, Morris Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Yes, folks. Three one four four three six seven nine hundred or one eight hundred nine two five eleven twenty. Let's head over to Gloria's yard. Hi, Gloria. How you doing? Very
12: good. Okay, the first question I need to ask you about the spring bugs. Um I used to put them in the ground, and I take them out. Can I put them back in the ground in the fall, or can I put them somewhere
6: else? I you. So you're going to dig them up? Is that what you're saying?
12: Yeah, I always dig them up.
6: You don't have to.
12: But I don't like them where they, the area is because I put flowers there.
6: Okay. So, I mean, they can grow with flowers on top of them. They don't care. But if you want to dig them up, certainly you can then, you know, clean them as far as don't, you know, get them really wet or anything else. Shake all the soil off of them. Put them in a paper bag. And if you've got multiple bulbs, make sure you've got layers of newspaper in between the layers in the paper bag and just wait until uh, uh, mid to late, you know, early, mid, late September and put them in the ground at that time.
12: But I'm telling you, can I clean them up now and put them in spots in the backyard where I want them to go?
6: Uh, No, basically don't dig them up yet. Wait until the foliage starts turning brown. Then you can dig them up and move them to the new location.
12: Well, I probably messed up because I already dug them up. (laughs) But, you know, I did plant some in a pot. And they didn't do nothing, but the ones I planted in
6: the ground get real good. Oh, really? Because I, you know, I grew a l- tulips and daffodils both in you know, pots and maybe I don't have—I don't know from
12: what I mess up—but I want to keep you, you answer that question. And I bought some daisy, D A I S Y, and they all look bad. They not bloom. You know, flowers off of them. Is it good to have daisy in your yard?
6: Daisies are fine. It's just some of them, like the Shasta daisies, some of them are not quite as robust as, you know, you would hope for. Other ones do okay. It just depends upon the individual, you know, situation.
12: Um, Okay. Again, last year I bought some hydrangeas that Lowe's had marked down, and I left them in the pot, but I don't see
6: nothing coming up. you think they're just bad? Well, they could be, but I would say... It may be just, you know, the fact that uh, they sat above the ground, I'm assuming, during the wintertime, you know, probably in a one-gallon pot. It may have, you know, we did have some cold days. It may have done some damage to the root system. But I wouldn't, you know, get rid of them yet. I'd go ahead and wait for another probably till mid to late May. And if you're not seeing any leaves off the stems at that time or no growth coming up from, you know, the, the ground, the potting mix, then I'd get rid of them.
12: Okay, this is what I wanted to ask you. I'm going to let you go. Last question. When it rains on you know, your flowers, they only get the top. They don't get down in the wood. So what I've been doing is taking them out, put them in a bucket, let the bubbles go and take them out, you know, so the woods can get uh, enough water.
6: So so if it rains, it should be able to get, you know, you know when it rains hard enough, the water's going to penetrate and get down into the ground
12: oh okay because a guy told me when i buy new plants get a bucket put them in the water and let the woods get you know and then uh take them out
6: well okay. if you're doing Thank just to, before you plant them you're watering them real well there's nothing wrong with that and for the first couple of weeks after you're growing them you know watering them every you know few days especially if we have you know a lot of wind and a lot of sun you know th- there's nothing wrong with doing additional watering so that's fine but so, it's please.
12: I bought those hydrangeas last year for 10 cents and those marked down at the end of the year. So I'm trying to get them going. So I'm going to put some fertilizer on them because I already got 15 hydrangeas. So I want to add more to the
6: spot that I got. Well, don't fertilize them because it's not going to make any difference.
12: Okay, okay. And I'm going to start doing what you're doing fertilizing with the liquid, and I don't have to worry about getting too much on this grass with this fertilizer. Great. Thanks,
6: Gloria. Okay, thank you for answering my question. I appreciate it. Sure. And now let's go over to Kate Yard. Hi, Kate.
5: Hi, Mike. Thanks uh, for taking my call. Sure. I have questions about trees in my yard. The first one, I had a, I believe it's pronounced Schumard or Schumard oak tree uh-huh. planted last summer last spring that I received from a home, our home um, organization, and it, it looks great. The only question is, it's got the down from the main part of the tree. It's probably got about a one and a half inch trunk and about eight feet tall. And there's like they look like suckers to me growing, but I'm afraid to cut them off. That they're integral parts branches of the tree.
6: Should I trim those off? So they're coming out at basically a ground level.
5: Well, not at ground level. I would say they're about a foot above the ground. Oh. But Main growth is probably like three and a half feet or where the tree, the shape of the tree, you can really see. Right. And it cuts those what look like suckers now that they might grow into an integral
6: part of the tree. Yeah, basically what's probably this particular variety or this particular tree does, you know, those along the trunk, those buds were still viable. That's why it's pushing out growth at that, you know at that level. If you want to just cut them off, there's nothing wrong with doing that whatsoever.
5: Okay. I just didn't want it when the tree is
6: full grown, that it looks odd because it's missing lower branches. No, Which- I mean, a lot of times people don't like the lower branches because it makes it difficult to grow things underneath the tree, it makes it difficult to walk underneath the tree and everything else, but it's a personal choice. For the most okay. part, you know, the trees have major trunks and then, you know, then that's when it branches out. But a foot off the ground—that's pretty low. You don't have to cut them off yet. I mean, you can wait for a couple of years and just see if you like them and everything else, because you don't have to limb the tree up. It's just an option that many people do.
5: Okay, thanks. And, and the second question I have is about a pink dogwood that I had planted last year. I bought it from a nursery, and and they planted it for me. And it looked it it greened out this year, except the main trunk. Um, when uh, about four feet off the ground is where the, the branches are coming out from the main trunk. And about a foot above that, the main trunk, there is no growth. There's no growth on it. It looks like it's dead. What should I do? Is there a chance that it will green up or is, is that gone
6: and it needs to be removed? Well, it, it, they could green up. But I would wait for another couple of weeks, and I'm assuming since you bought it at a nursery, and the nursery planted it, they probably give you a one year guarantee. Yes, they and will. So, so, consequently, if there is, you know, as far as what they're going to do is saying, you know, this tree's fine. It's just, well, these, you know, a couple branches didn't do okay. But is your dogwood in flower? It it had it got one flower okay.
5: this year. Very top of the tree. Is yeah. that not?
6: So I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. It's just that you know, newly planted trees don't necessarily going to flower as much as they should. So I would say just leave it alone and see what happens.
5: Okay. And if it doesn't green out, you think the nursery? I should talk to the nursery yeah, about that.
6: Definitely. But they're you know they may say, well, you've got branches that have plenty of foliage on them. Just because you don't have ever foliage on every branch, that's just kind of the way it goes.
5: Yeah um i hope i it's I, I think it'll be beautiful i love the pink dogwood tree so right. hopefully it, it'll it'll green out well right. thanks you mike sure love my your pleasure
6: show. yeah the pink okay. dogwoods are really striking this year so thanks kate <laughs> mike miller kmmy's garden hotline back after these messages yes folks 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120 let's head over to richard's yard hi richard
9: Hi, Mike. Can you hear me? Yes. Oh, okay, good. Um, the, um, uh, the ash trees, you know, they've started to take out the ash trees in South St. Louis. Yes. If you come across Tibetan Park, for instance, where I live, the 2800 block, they took out 15 trees yesterday. Ooh. And they're proceeding south. Um, they're going to go west. They're ultimately going to take 10,000 trees out in the city of St. Louis, my question is, um, can I go back? Because I don't, you know, the the city is supposed to grind out the stumps and plant trees, right? But the the city can hardly keep the trash picked up. <laughs> uh, you know, I. I don't uh, have any confidence that they're going to do this in fall when it's scheduled. You know, I think if you would come back next year at this time, you would find the stumps of those same trees. My question is, can I grind out the trees and plant on top of them another tree?
6: Basically, it's not going to work so well. So even if you grind the stump out, you're only going to go so deep. But all the, and they've cut the tree down, the stump's been ground out, but again, it only goes so deep. All the lateral roots are still there. There's gonna be still some viable wood products related to the root systems that are still there. And then anything that you would plant on top of it is gonna have a real struggle because wood pieces. Whether they're going to be pieces, even if you clean up all the shredded bark from the, you know, the stump grindings and everything else, there's still going to be wood pieces related to the root systems, and that binds up nutrients and creates a real problem. So planting right, right on top of where a tree was is not something that's advisable.
9: Um, so I've got to go away from the, the the those stumps that are ground out. Yeah, exactly. At out.
6: least several feet would be you know ideal. And then the best thing you can do, I don't know if these are street trees or what they are, but consequently... street trees. Yeah, that's the unfortunate thing. Because the root systems are going to be really <laughs> thick and dense, you know, in that area between the sidewalk and street. And you may not find a spot where you're going to be able to, you know, probe around and get a good hole where you can put a new tree in.
9: Huh. I am old enough to remember the, uh, the Dutch elm disease. Right. Which decimated the trees in um, where I'm from is Milwaukee, and it decimated the trees in the eastern United States, really. Yes, it did. And uh, but in the city of Milwaukee, they came back almost immediately, ground out the stumps and planted other trees. And I don't have any confidence in that. So to all of your listeners, don't plant don't plant ash trees.
6: <laughs> I don't even know if they're for sale anymore. Yeah, because of the emerald ash bore.
9: Could be, yeah. Well, thanks very much for your help.
6: Sure, my pleasure. And now let's head over to Lola. Hi, Lola. Good morning, Mike. How are you? Very good. How are you? I'm doing great.
4: I'm a longtime listener, first-time caller. Uh Uh-huh. And I live close to the Bevo Mill, and I heard you talking about hibiscus. Well, I have red, pink, and white hibiscus and mine are coming up. they're four to six inches out of the ground already. All right. And I'm really proud of them. Every year they're beautiful. but I wanted to let you know they are
6: coming up. Yeah, some of them are in certain locations. you know it's basically any kind of growth this time of year is triggered you know by soil temperatures. And you know certain ones are not necessarily going to be growing yet because of the soil temperature is still cool. And it hasn't triggered the growth. But, yeah, there's some great uh, – I walk through that neighborhood a lot because I live, you know, over by Christie Park. And so, consequently, you know, Bevo and that whole area. You know, Ridgewood, I walk through those areas all the time. So I'll take a, I'll keep an eye out for your hibiscus.
4: Yeah, I'm on Taft Avenue between Morgan Ford and Gravoy. Oh, great. And when you come down my alley, you'll see a beautiful bunch of high biscuits.
6: <laughs> well, great. Thanks, Lola. <laughs>
4: you have a good day and thank you for taking my call.
6: Sure. Greatly appreciate it. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, you know, in a certain neighborhoods, exposure wise and everything else, soil temperatures is what triggers all growth. No getting around it. Now, let's head over to Gwen. Hi, Gwen. Good
8: morning, Mike. Hi. I have another Japanese maple question. My Japanese maple looks beautiful. It has the mauve or maroon colored leaves, uh-huh. but in the summer, it tends, the leaves tend to go green. Is there any way, anything I need to put on it that would keep them red all summer long?
6: No, it's it's actually certain hybrids. You know, have been were hybridized to keep the maroon color all year. All growing season long, other ones were not. So you just happen to buy one that probably was maroon when you bought it. Wherever you bought it, they didn't explain to you. This hybrid is going to go green in the summertime. So there's nothing. Even if it's in the shade and the sun, it doesn't really matter. It's just strictly a genetic type thing.
8: Oh, okay, okay. Because it's it, it's very healthy. It's thriving beautifully, but. Um would sure love these beautiful leaves all summer long.
6: <laughs> we'll go out and take a picture so in the summer when they've turned green, you can just get your picture out until you go, oh, yeah, that's what it really looks like. <laughs>
8: right, right. That's a good idea. <laughs> okay, thank you for taking my call,
6: Mike. Sure, my pleasure. And now let's go over to Darlene. Hi, Darlene.
11: Good morning. I have three quick questions. Um, the first, I have a begonia tuber. That I dug up last year, can I replant that, and when should I replant
6: it? Uh, you're going to plant it back outside? You could probably do it now if you wanted to. But okay. But I, I would certainly feel the tuber to make sure it's still firm and everything. If it's not firm, then it's, you know, did you bring, did you just pull it out of the ground and put it in a bag or something? Yes. Okay, so just make sure, you know, before you bother planting it, that it's still firm and it's not soft or, you know, wrinkled up.
11: Okay. Um, My second question is, is I got a hydrangea, and the green is coming up, but it's got all the old growth, the woody stems. Should I cut them off or keep them in there?
6: Uh, If the woody stems have nothing on them whatsoever, as far as foliage-wise or anything, go ahead and you cut them off.
11: Okay, good. And then the last thing is that I have some wrought iron window boxes, and... I've had it about two or three years, but the plants don't seem to do well in them. And I'm thinking because I water them in the – and, you know, one time I had the brown liner and another time I've added rocks, and I just think the water is dripping through them. How should I – you know, should I line those or what can I use to
6: help retain the water a little bit better? Probably what I'd do is get a plastic window box that would fit inside the wrought iron one and just plant in the plastic window box and set the window box inside the wrought iron.
11: Okay, that's, yeah, I'm just a little concerned about withholding too much water in
6: there. Well, basically, the window box will have drainage in the bottom, so that shouldn't be, you know, shouldn't be a problem. I okay. grow lots of things in window boxes. Well, great, that's good to hear. Thank you very much. Sure, my pleasure. And now let's go over to Peggy's yard. Hi, Peggy. Hi, Mike. Thanks Hi. for
2: taking my call. Sure. I had a question. We bought a hardy banana tree last year, mm-hmm. and I noticed the center trunk has no growth, but there's a couple little feeders coming up. Right. Will the center trunk come back, or will that just, is it gone?
6: Well, it's, you know, it's hard to say. Usually the, how, how big is, let's say, tall-wise, is the center trunk?
2: I would say it's about maybe two and a half inches tall
6: two and a half inches? Yeah. So then I would say just, you know, wait for it a little bit. And okay. sometimes the hardy varieties, the the original trunks, you know, from the previous season, don't produce any new growth. You only get new sucker growth around the perimeter. Oh, okay. So it just depends upon the individual, you know, growing circumstance.
2: Okay, so should I just wait a while? Yeah. And if nothing happens, do you just cut more of that off?
6: Yeah, just leave it. I mean, it's only two and a half inches. Who cares? The yeah. other ones are going to be overgrowing it anyway.
2: Okay, yeah, that's why I was kind of wondering. And um, we have, you know, like some like a big tree in the our yard, and it's got like the roots that have come up out of the ground and mm-hmm. all that. My husband noticed a big hole in one of them, kind of like. Would that be carpenter bees going into the root?
6: Ah, uh, probably not.
2: No, um,
6: you know, my guess is it's probably just. Uh, Maybe somebody hitting it with a mower or with equipment or something like that, Mm -hmm. more so than, you know, some kind of insect. Because the insects are generally not going to attack, you know, in that situation, it's going to be visible, you know, that's for the, you know, they just don't bother.
2: Okay. All righty. Well, thanks for taking my call. Have a nice weekend.
6: Sure. You do the very same thing. Mike Miller, KMOS Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Back to the phones we go, and let's head over to Rocky's yard. Hi, Rocky. have
10: got a large bur oak tree losing a lot of the tips of the little branches. Um, I believe, actually, squirrels. Is it, is, have you seen this happen, and do you have any clue as to why? That's all i got.
6: Is there galls on them? So is there big lumps on the, the ends of the branches? Oh, I guess he's already hung. But, I mean, the tips of the branches, if they have a gall on them, which is a like a lump, that they break off at that point. Certainly, squirrels can cut them, and you know because they're making nests and everything else, and they get sort of bored. But uh, if you've got a huge amount of them, check. You know, generally it's the red oak group, and uh, that get the you know the galls, which is a wasp. You know, not the classic kind of wasp that stings. The female will sting the tip of the branch and then lay their eggs in that sting that they've done. And then what happens is. Those eggs hatch, and that's what causes that lump that looks like a you know kind of a a weird round ballish type thing. So if you if they're just dropping just a little bit and they don't have galls, I wouldn't be overly concerned with them. Certainly, again, the squirrels could be cutting them off, and because they're bored or whatever. Because if it's just little tips, that that's not really going to help them make a nest. And uh, so I would say just go you know take a look, and if you're really concerned with it, again. Get a, you know have a tree service come out and take a look at it. So that would be my advice. Let's head now to Fred Yard. Hi, Fred.
10: Yes, uh, thank you for taking my call. Sure. Uh, we, we want to plant some begonias uh, soon, but there's so much rain coming down this week, and um, I'm wondering when when I should do that.
6: Well, you know, the amount of rain doesn't really matter because I'm assuming you're planting the begonias in a well-drained soil, either in pots, in a potting mix, or in the ground. So if you want to get them planted, you could do that, you know, as long as you don't mind, you know, the rain coming. So what?
10: Oh, okay. So so even if the, the ground is saturated, uh, dig dig around, uh, do some digging and put some potting mix in there?
6: Well, potting mix into the ground, no, I wouldn't do that, but i just add you know, some organic matter like compost or something like that, or a blend of compost topsoil with you know with them. But, uh, yeah, if the ground is really, I mean, soggy, so in other words, if you push your hand down in the area where you're going to plant them, and you start to see moisture come up around your hand, that's too wet. You don't want to plant at that time. But with just a prediction of rains, You can get them planted, you know, as long as it's not, like I say, super soggy. And if it's super soggy, then you're going to have to definitely improve the soil so they got better drainage.
10: Okay, okay. And what about coleus, same thing?
6: Very much the same thing. Coleus are, uh, you know, wet soil, you know, a little bit more wet soil tolerant because you can take coleus cuttings and actually root them in bottles of water or glasses of water or whatever inside. But the begonias you can't do that with.
10: Right. Okay, and you you wouldn't use potting mix in the in the ground?
6: No, I wouldn't use potting mix in the ground. I'd use uh, you know more an organic material.
10: Uh, like uh, what did you say? Like
6: the, um, a compost topsoil mix, or you know a blend like that.
10: Okay. Okay. Thank you.
6: Sure, my pleasure. And now let's head over to Jill's yard. Hi, Jill. Hello. Hi.
11: Hi. I'm calling about my wisteria. So I have an older plant, and um, it usually just blooms kind of on the back of the plant where I can't see it from the house. And I'm wondering if that might have something to do with the fact that I trim it back in the fall or just before winter to kind of get all the tangle out. don't know if it blooms on old wood or anything like that.
6: Basically, the wisteria are already blooming. So I've seen Yeah. And so consequently... They should not be pruned in the fall. Wisteria should be pruned right after they finish flowering. Because if, uh, you're, if you're pruning them in the fall, you're actually cutting off the flower buds for the next season.
11: Oh, I didn't realize that.
6: So that's what the problem has been.
11: Yeah, they're so prolific. I kind of trim the vines all through the summer as they're you know trying to take away my lawn furniture and my dog and everything (laughs) (laughs) so i didn't real. i just figured they set the buds in the spring so i obviously am trimming exactly where i want the flowers
6: to bloom (laughs) exactly (laughs) i will not
11: do that this year
6: (laughs) thank you sure my pleasure And we probably don't have a chance or time to get another call in, so a couple callers, but uh, sorry, we can't get you. But I will tell you, you'd be smart if you want you know, to really f- find out what's going on in your landscape is to get a soil test done. And to get a soil test done, University of Missouri does the soil testing, and especially if you've done fertilizing in various areas with the same type of fertilizer for multiple years, whether it be lawn or anything else, because there can be elements that get so high as far as the concentration goes that it causes real problems for the plants that you're trying to grow, whether it be lawn or anything else. So just keep that in mind, that that is the situation. A soil test will tell you if you have extravagant levels of something or you have levels of something else that is really minimal or you know non-existent. A soil test really tells you a lot. There's no getting around it, so just keep that in mind, getting a soil test done. The University of Missouri Extension Service, there's a drop-off office in Kirkwood. You can give them a call. They're on Monroe and Kirkwood, and drop off the sample there. You can call them, go online, and just look for you know what, how much soil you need and everything else, and that way get this soil test, get, find out what's going on in your soil.